Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. You may be seated. It is great to see all of you this morning. As you're seated, if you would grab a Bible uh, or your phone and turn over to Acts chapter 19, we're going to begin a continue studying in Acts chapter 19. So Pastor Jordan took us through Acts 19 last week. And uh, as, you, as you know, if you've, if you've been worshiping with us, we've been going through the book of Acts for, um, it's, it's been a year now. We started in the beginning of the book of Acts, and we have, um, we have wrestled with what God desires to say to us through our study of the book of Acts. And so the one thing that we've done every Sunday is, if you notice that there are, there are several of us that actually rotate um, speaking on Sunday morning. And um, it's a blessing to me because it gives me the opportunity to take um, some time off every once in a while. And what we do each week is every time that somebody, it's there, whoever's coming to speak, whoever's turn it is in that time, what we do is we just stick right where we're at in the book of Acts. And so this last week was Pastor Jordan's time in uh, to preach, and Acts chapter 19 was up for him to preach. And I have to tell you, I was so disappointed because I wanted to preach the beginning of Acts chapter 19. And I didn't want to say, you know, I want to preach Acts 19, and so we're going to change things around. We're going to, we're going to push your, your time back, Pastor Jordan. I just prayed about it and let him, um, let him actually preach through Acts chapter 19. But you did such a great job, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Would you fix this for me? I'm trying to talk and fix it, and I can't do two things at once. <laughs> Chewing gum and talking is, is kind of my limit. Um, so... Um, it was his turn to preach through Acts chapter 19, and I really wanted to preach the beginning of Acts chapter 19 because these verses just resonated with me. And so I just prayed about it, and I said, you know, Lord, I guess it's not my, my time to preach Acts chapter 19. Uh, just give Pastor Jordan the exact words that you want. I wanted, to, I wanted to share with you from Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 7. And so come to church on Sunday morning. We get here, and Pastor Jordan says, I'm going to start in verse 8. I said, praise the Lord. In my soul. I, I didn't say it out loud. You, you know, I'm, I'm the quiet. And so I was so excited because the verses that I wanted to actually share with you, he skipped those verses. And so I was so excited about that. And so I, uh, we're going to continue looking at Acts chapter 19. Uh, but the one thing that I just want to encourage you um, to be praying about and be thinking about is this Saturday and Sunday, as Pastor Ashley shared, is our family weekend. It's exciting that we have this God-given assignment, a sacred assignment from God to minister to the families in this community. And for 91 years now, this church has done that. And we celebrate all that God has done here in 91 years. We also celebrate that God isn't finished with us as a church. Uh, we have this sacred responsibility. 
And a part of that is reaching the families, and we'll be doing that on Saturday and Sunday. Is it going to be hot on Saturday? Yes, it is going to be hot on Saturday. And so uh, be praying about that. We're going to have, thank you, we're going to have several different things set up, hopefully, to keep everybody cool. So uh, come and be a part of that as well as next Sunday. So put Family Weekend on your calendar. Uh, Block party on Saturday from 5 to 8, and then Sunday uh, we'll have some time together here in worship. We're going to have some prayer and dedication for our new preschool building, the new interior preschool building, and then we'll have some time afterwards and fellowship around a meal together. But as we look at Acts chapter 19 this morning, the beginning of Acts chapter 19, as I was thinking about these verses for a few weeks now, I got to thinking about what was taking place there, and I got to reflecting on my life and the lives of others that I actually have had the privilege to walk through in my life. And as I got to thinking about life in and of itself, one of the things that hit me is I think about our lives as we just live them out every single day. It's easy for us, it's easy for us to fall into the rut of just living life and what we sometimes say, we're just doing life, right? Or sometimes we'll turn that in in tough moments of our life and we'll say, life is really doing something to me. And we get caught up in what some people define as the rat race of life and we just live life, right? And sometimes in that we just get exhausted. Life gets tiring in and of itself and we do everything we can to wake up and have the energy to make it through another day. We go through this life throughout the day We get home and we're tired, we go to bed and we think, oh, I just hope I have enough strength to get up and do it all again tomorrow. And we get in this rat race, this hamster wheel, if you will, and we're just going around and round and round and round, and life is happening all around us. And I thought about uh, when I actually worked in radio, there was a song by um, a lady named Tammy Cochran. It wasn't her most famous song, but it was her second most famous song. And the, the words to this song, I want to share a little bit of it with you. Um, it simply says, life happened. And these are some of those words. She said, from the time that she was 13, Julie Thompson had a dream that someday she would see her name in lights. After every high school play, the grown-ups all would say, that's Julie's future, sure is looking bright. Well, I saw her selling videos at a store in Eastland Mall. I said, why aren't you in Hollywood taking casting calls? This is the chorus. Life happened. Me and Bobby Chapman, we fell in love. Daddy passed away and the babies came and drama school was just too much. Now there's a little league and mouse to feed. And I directed the kindergarten Christmas pageant. Life happened. Life happened. I was driving home from Athens late one night. A trucker fell asleep and swapped paint with me. They said I'd rolled that van at least five times. Now I thank my lucky stars, and I sell used cars, and I teach driver's education at St. Catherine's because life happened. The next ending course says, life happened. Our clothes went out of fashion with our songs. We started families and bought SUVs, became stepdads and soccer moms. I finally realized we turned out all right, and we spend the night just catching up and dancing, all because life happened. Life happened. And that's how a lot of us live our life. Life just happens, right? We don't put a lot of thought into it. 
We don't put a lot of thinking into it. And whatever comes our way, we just deal with it. And we get up and life happens. And we go on and we go on. And we get caught in this hamster wheel of life. We try to get involved in different areas of our life. We'll jump into the church every once in a while. We'll be involved in church here or there. We'll live a life committed to God. But then that kind of uh, tops out our commitment. And life just keeps happening and just keeps happening. And gets, just keeps happening to every single one of us. One of the things that really hit me as I was wrestling with this passage of Scripture is often we say we want to walk with God. However, we frequently want to do it empowering ourselves. We come to God and we say, hey, God, I want to give you my life. I want to give you everything of me. I repent of my sins. I'm turning away from the life that I've been living. However, after more often than not, after that moment that we have of giving God our lives, we then start to try to figure things out on our own, empowering every single day. What we could say is, in those moments, life actually happened. But I want to get right to the point this morning and start with this question. Where is Holy Spirit's power operating in my life? I want you to ask yourself that question. Where is Holy Spirit's power operating in my life? If we were to pass out a piece of paper this morning and we were to examine our life, every area of our life, where would you discover Holy Spirit's power operating in your life? Not the simple life happened moments of whatever came our way. We're just living it and doing the best that we can so that we can go to sleep, wake up the next day, work hard, be good people, have enough money to provide all of our needs, and then come home at night, go to sleep, and wake up and do it all over again. Where is Holy Spirit's power operating in your life? As we progress in studying through the book of Acts, what we find over and over are there are a lot of good people with good intentions in their life. However, they are not living their life with the power of Holy Spirit operating in and then through them. And here in the beginning of Acts chapter 19, that's exactly what happens. So Paul is uh, past, uh, wrapped up here the end of his second missionary journey. He's gone all throughout establishing the gospel center hub in different specific areas. And then in that, he finally comes to a town that he tried to go to, as Pastor Jordan shared with us in such an amazing way last week, of even getting into a lot of the history of Ephesus and what was taking place. And then in Paul's travers, his, his travels from Corinth over to the city of Ephesus, where God blocked him from going into here at one point, and then finally God opened up the door. Follow along as we read here the beginning of Acts chapter 19, and let's figure out together what God wants to say to us today. Acts 19, verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them. Now notice here in, uh, in the beginning of this verse here, at the, or I'm sorry, at the end of verse number 1. It says, Paul found some disciples. That's our key to who these people actually are. And then we're going to watch how their life was drastically transformed. These people loved Jesus Christ. These people were doing their best to live life every single day. They were disciples. 
These were people that the opposition against, the, uh, against Jesus Christ would look at, and they would, they would say that these are Jesus people right there. These are people who have a relationship with Jesus. They were Jesus' disciples. They were Jesus' people. But look at verse 2. And he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, these were the disciples, these were the Jesus people that we read about in verse 1. When Paul, verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Here's the amazing transformation. The purpose that we have the book of Acts of Jesus coming, dying, defeating sin and death, and then ascending back to the Father, Jesus said, I am going away so that the Holy Spirit can actually come. You remember, as we began in the book of Acts, the assignment that Jesus had actually given to those who were following him was go to Jerusalem and wait for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. They waited. The Holy Spirit powerfully came. And in the moment that the Holy Spirit actually comes, they begin to be witnesses to all of these people in a variety of different languages. And the good news of Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Holy Spirit spread and transformed cities and people and communities all around as the gospel began to spread. Paul goes on these missionary journeys. He starts meeting people that don't have relationship with Jesus. They enter into relationship with Jesus. They repent of their sins. They then become disciples of Jesus. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, they are beginning to operate their lives on the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of them, enabling to live out life. Life isn't happening to these people. These people are living life empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then we get to Acts chapter 19. And we find these Jesus people. They love Jesus. They have repented of their sins and are doing everything they can to live lives as Jesus people. And Paul says, hold on just a second. I see this is what I believe is taking place here. I see there's something different inside of you guys. You 12 people that are here. I, I think that there's this kindredness inside of us. We're a lot like one another. Remember, Paul had repented of his sins and what great sins that he had because he used to crucify the people who were Jesus people. But Paul said, there's more that God actually has for you. There's more than just repentance that God actually has for you. And that is the next step of saying, God, I have repented, and now I need to be empowered and infilled with your Holy Spirit. And a lot of people, when reading this passage of Scripture, they want to debate, well, what was that like 
if there was just Jesus, people, and there was just repentance. They want to focus on that and what does all of that mean? Or they want to focus on when, they, when Paul laid hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in tongues. And they want to debate, well, what does that actually mean? Is it languages? Is it a prayer languages? And neither of those things are the point of this passage of Scripture. The point of this passage of Scripture is after you enter into a repentant relationship with Jesus and He then becomes your Lord and Savior, there is an additional step that we have to, as His children, we have to seek, and that is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And whether you get it at repentance or it's a second work of grace, it doesn't matter what you believe. What matters is that you better pursue it. Because this is how we keep life from happening to us, and we then live empowered lives in relationship with Jesus and in filled with his Holy Spirit, which is the power that every single one of us actually needs. Could you imagine, could you imagine living your life to save for this dream car that costs six figures. Now, I can't imagine a car like that. I don't want to own a car like that. I'm more a four-figure kind of car guy myself. But imagine if you saved for a car that costs six figures. I, I don't know. M M Maserati, Ferrari, you pick the car, and you just think, okay, that's the vehicle that I actually want to actually save for. It's going to take me years and years to actually save for that vehicle. But you finally get to a place to where you're able to buy that vehicle. Because it costs so much, they deliver it to your home. They set it in the driveway. But could you imagine owning that vehicle and never getting in the driver's seat, starting it up and putting it in drive and taking it for a spin? But that's what I believe it's like whenever we enter into a relationship with Jesus and repent of our sins, but we're not empowered and infilled by the Holy Spirit. We have this priceless relationship that we actually possess, and it is a good thing. It is a necessary thing, but it is the first step, and there is an additional step that we have to go, for, go, go into. The purpose of a car is not to let it sit in your driveway so that you can admire it and love it and polish it and say, this is the greatest thing. The purpose of a car is so that you can get into it and so that you can drive it. You have to own it and then you have to drive it, put it to use. And that's the way our relationship with Jesus actually is. We take uh, we take hold of the gift of grace that God has given to us. We repent of our sins, and then we operate every day on the power of the Holy Spirit, the infilling that he actually has for every single one of us. And what Paul has done is he's found some great Jesus people, and he has said there is more to this relationship than just Jesus. Now, absolutely, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. They are inseparable. This is how God has revealed himself to mankind through the ages. And he desires for us to receive his gift of grace, his final great payment for our sins. But he doesn't just want us to receive that gift. He wants us to walk in the Spirit and filled and empowered by him. And this is what Paul is saying to these Jesus people, these great good disciples of Jesus Christ here. There's more for you. 
I like the way that Paul actually said it to the believers, uh, to the Galatian believers. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, Paul said it this way. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. You see, the temptation in our life, whenever we're not living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit, and filled with the Holy Spirit, is to simply do whatever it is that we want to do. Something comes at us, and it looks like a good offer from the enemy in that moment, and we take the bait of the enemy. And what Paul said to our Galatian brothers and sisters, don't live life that way. Don't live life doing whatever it is that you want to do, thinking, oh, I have asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I've repented of those sins, and then now I'm just going to be able to do whatever I want to do because I'm actually living in relationship with him. And Paul says, no, 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 you can't live that way. You can't do whatever it is that you want to do. He said instead, in verse 16 of Galatians 5, walk by the Spirit. What that actually means is live a life empowered or fueled by the Holy Spirit. Another way to think of it is you're compelled by the Holy Spirit. The truth of the matter is in life, there are only two compelling forces. There's the compelling force of God, and then there is the compelling force of the enemy. These are the only two driving or compelling forces that there are. And at any given moment, one of the two of those are actually compelling you or actually driving you. And whenever we live life and life just happens, we are not living a life compelled or pushed or, or driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not living the way that Paul explained to these Jesus people in the beginning of Acts chapter 19. Living a life walking by the Holy Spirit, compelled by the Holy Spirit, not seeking to gratify self, not seeking so that all of the selfish desires that we have are actually satisfied, but instead we're turning away from self and we're actually turning towards God. The only way that that is possible is when we are infilled with His Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered by His Holy Spirit. Because listen... If Adam and Eve couldn't do this in the garden, then neither can we. I mean, just think of the amazingness, if you will, that they actually had in that relationship that they had with God. And oh, how it would be awesome in the cool of the day to walk with God, right? He was with them. And if they couldn't do it on their own, then there's no way in the world that we can do it on our own. And this is why God put a plan in action after sin entered in Genesis chapter 3. So that God himself would come in the flesh, Jesus, and he would make certain that sin had no power over mankind. 
So he paid the price, then defeated the consequence of sin, and ascended, and he said, and now I'm going to give you the power that you need so that you don't have to satisfy the desires of the flesh, so that you then can turn away from sin and turn and walk with God empowered by the Holy Spirit. But you know what our temptation is? We think that a relationship with God is simply coming, kneeling, or bowing, or having a conversation with God and say, God, I need you. I repent of my sins. I need you as my Lord and Savior. So would you forgive me? And we think that that is sufficient. Listen, that's only the first step in the ingredients of having a relationship with God Almighty. He wants to forgive you. It is necessary that he forgive you. You have to do that work with God. However, what I'm saying is we have to be Acts 19 people and we go to the next step and then we receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit so that we have the power that is necessary to stop life from just happening. And getting up the next day and doing everything we can to be good people to make enough money to provide for our needs so that we can come home exhausted and wake up the next day and hope that we've got the strength to live to make it to the end of that day. So that we come home and we get in this rat race and we think, well, this is all that life is. That is not what God's plan is for all of us. God wants us to walk in the Spirit. So whenever you think of the word walking you think of what Paul has said here, you think of walking, there's progress that's actually being made, right? Unless you're walking in place, and that's not what Paul said. Paul is giving us a picture in Galatians chapter 5, and what he's telling the believers here in the beginning of Acts chapter 19 is there needs to be some progress that is being made in your walk, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not just going to come and you're not going to ask for forgiveness and you're not just going to come here and, and enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ with, with us asking him to be our Lord and Savior and then actually surrendering to him and actually stopping because that is a progress that we need, but there's more progress to be made. And that is a daily thing. And so what Paul is giving us a, an image of here is people that are in relationship with Jesus filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit that are making progress in their life. They're, they're walking. They're moving. There's some activity that is actually taking place there. And what Paul is saying is, we're going somewhere. If you think of when you walk, you're starting at one point and you're ending at another point. And every one of us in our life, we have a starting point and then we have an ending point at some place. That's true in the physical. However, it's also true in the spiritual. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make sure that we don't become stuck in our relationship with God, but that there would be progress that is actually being made. But what the enemy wants us to believe is, you know, it's hard. And I'll tell you, it is hard. The enemy wants us to think, well, you don't have to make any progress, just, just stay here and actually hide for a little bit, and everything's actually going to be okay. It's kind of like when I was in high school. I was little, little. I was, I was much smaller when I was in high school. I was 
not taller, as tall or taller than very many of the boys that were in my class. And we had to take a couple of years of PE. And I hated taking PE because on Fridays, we played dodgeball. I did not like to play dodgeball. Dodgeball hurts when it hits you. And they play with this ball that has this special sting to it whenever it hits you. But I figured, being one of the smallest in my class, that I was able to hide behind some of the larger boys that were in my class. And so I would find a spot, and I would just stick in that spot, and then I would just watch and scan the room, and then I would move just a little bit to actually hide behind the person that was between, a larger person that was between me and the person that actually had the ball. I wasn't making progress. I wasn't going to, try to, I wasn't going to go try to get the ball so that I could become a thrower. I just wanted to survive and not get hit in that moment. That's how I played dodgeball in high school. And I figured out a good way to master that. You know, that's how a lot of us actually live our lives. We think if I can just dodge or close my eyes and hang out here long enough, Jesus is eventually going to come back and then I will make it into the gates of heaven. That's not how God wants us to live our lives. That is not the thriving spiritually that he came to die so that we could actually have. You remember what Jesus said in John 10, 10? The last part of that is so that we could live life or we could have life and live it to the full or live it abundantly. Well, if we're just hiding and trying to dodge all of the balls that life is actually throwing at us, where's the abundance or where's the fullness in that? God didn't come and die and then give us the infilling of the Holy Spirit to empower us so that we could just be wimpy hiding behind, dodging everything that life actually comes at, throws at us. Instead, he came and he died so that we could enter into a relationship with him, so that was even made possible, so that he could then fill us so that we could live abundant lives, so that we could live life to the full in the presence of God Almighty, empowered by His Holy Spirit. This is what God desires for us. It's not just one moment where we ask for forgiveness, but instead it is a continued life empowered, enabled, compelled by the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul is really saying to the believers here at the beginning of Acts chapter 19. But it wasn't just Paul that actually said this. If it was just Paul, we could say that this is some type of anomaly. But the charge even from Peter was that we have to make progress in our relationship with God. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. How is it possible to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? If you keep reading Peter's writings, he says it is the power and infilling of the Holy Spirit. You can't grow. You can't make progress. You can't be walking, as Paul would say in Galatians chapter 5, unless you are growing, unless you are moving. And the only way that's possible is through the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you this question again. Where is Holy Spirit's power operating 
in your life. Examine every area of your life this morning. Where's the Holy Spirit's power actually operating? Is he operating in your marriage? Is he operating in your family? Is he operating in your finances? Is he operating at your job? Is he operating in your home? Where is the evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Or have you even yielded to the Holy Spirit's power? Are you living life the way that these good, well-intentioned Jesus people were in the beginning of Acts chapter 19? We've not even... We've not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And listen, it's a good thing. We have to be Jesus people. That's not bad. I'm just saying there's another step that we have to take, and that's being filled with His Holy Spirit. So where is the Holy Spirit's power operating in your life? Where are you walking with the Holy Spirit? In John chapter 16, the first part of verse 13, Jesus said, these are Jesus' words, but when he, the spirit of truth, that's Holy Spirit, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. See what the Holy Spirit has done when we are infilled with the Holy Spirit? It sets us apart. He comes to then do the next step, which is to make us holy so that we can then reflect the image of God so that we could live life, not life happening to us, not dodging the balls that life is actually throwing throwing at us, but so that we could live life reflecting the image of God so that we could live lives empowered by the Holy Spirit being exactly who God desires for us to be. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's coming. He told his disciples, I have to go away so that he can come. The Holy Spirit is coming, and he's going to guide you into all truth. You see, it's not just Jesus. Oh, thank God for Jesus, though. Because that's the gate that gives us the access. However... There's more power. There's more power that we have to have in our life. And that's the Holy Spirit. So I was wrestling with, with this message and, and, and trying to figure out what all I wanted to say about the, the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So I, I was reading a lot of blogs. I have several different, um, several different pastors who write things that I actually read. One of the ones that I actually ran across was something from David Jeremiah. And every once in a while, I, I get an email from, from him um, quite periodically. And he had this um, devotion, linked to a devotion in it. I clicked on it and then uh, ran across something that I want to share from David Jeremiah. He, he gave four specific things in our life. And I'm just going to read them. I'm not going to stop and, and spend a lot of time on every one of these. I just want to share with these four things that David Jeremiah says that causes us to live life in our own power. 
He didn't get to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in this. He may have in, an, in another blog. I didn't get that far. But I just ran across these four things, and I thought, oh, my goodness. These are four things that every one of us struggle with that we have to be made aware of because that's some of the bait that the enemy puts before us so that we can take the bait and forget we're living life empowered by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. These four things are simple. David Jeremiah says, it's the drain of negative influence. Negative influences in your life. He says, our relationships will lead us closer or further from God. And every one of us have some negative influences in our life that we need to avoid and stop. Because that causes us to not live life empowered by the Holy Spirit. But instead it's draining us and leading us further away from God. The drain of negative influence. The second thing, he says it's the drain of busyness. And he gives a quote by Corey Tinboom that says, If the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. One of the surest ways to lose power in your life, spiritual power in your life, is to neglect our relationship with God. It's when you get too busy. You get caught up, and then there's not a lot of time left for God. We have to be aware of the busyness of life, and we operate out of exhaustion because of that, and we forget we've got to spend time with God so that we can be filled with His Holy Spirit. The third is the drain of materialism. If money becomes our motive, it will replace God in the center of your life. And then we're in that rat race again of living life with more, more, more. I need more, I need more, I need more. The only thing we need more of every single day is God. The only thing we need more of is the Holy Spirit's power operating in our lives. We need more of God every single day. And then the scripture says he will supply all of our needs. The fourth is the drain of envy or jealousy. Envy re reveals a lack of trust of God's provision. And so we can't serve God in the power of his spirit the infilling of the Holy Spirit with this jealousy or envy that we have in our life. I think that these are four things that every one of us can identify of where the enemy puts some bait in front of us and we often take the bait. So I want to ask you again, where is Holy Spirit's power active in your life? Or where are you operating with some of these things that David Jeremiah actually points out are baits from the enemy? Where are you taking the bait? Or where are you operating on your own strength instead of operating in the power of the Holy Spirit? Let me give you one more scripture as we close. John said this. 1 John 2, 1. Dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. You know another bait that I think the enemy puts in front of us? Well, I messed up, and so I blew it, and so there's no way that I could ever operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. John said, I'm writing this to you to tell you don't sin, so don't sin. However, in the event that you do, Jesus Christ will speak to the Father in your defense. And so in those moments where you do take the bait and you do sin, do you know what we need to say? God, please forgive me and wash me again. Come back 
come back to repentance and then say, now fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I have the power to overcome the temptation of sin. Listen, there is not one of us in this room that after entering into relationship with Jesus Christ and receiving his forgiveness of our sins and walking in the repentance, not one of us have ever lived a perfect life. And you know what? That's okay because John says, when you do sin, come back to live that part of the relationship with Jesus all over again. But then don't stop there, Paul says. Don't stop there, Peter says. Instead, be filled with the Spirit so that you are empowered, you are pushed, you are compelled to overcome the sin that came at you in the first place. Listen, I think that as we move forward operating as a refuge of grace in this community, we have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit like we've never relied on it in the past. Because the enemy is crafty. The enemy will do everything he can to destroy us, Jesus' people, and filled with the Holy Spirit. The devil wants to take us out. He wants us to stop and turn our back on God. But the way that we live as overcomers is with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So again, where is the Holy Spirit's power operating in your life? So let's turn it just a bit and ask this. Where do you need the Holy Spirit's power? Where do you need the Holy Spirit's power? Because in this moment, I believe there's a God just waiting for you to ask. And he's waiting to put his spirit inside of you. He's waiting to infill. Or you could even think of it this way. To invade every area of your life. Empowering you to live a life. Not in the rat race. But in the abundance or life to the full that he has for you. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.